greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. The price is wrong, bitch. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on today's episode, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, We had planned on, you know, having a nice big episode for you guys here after the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Um, But, you know, time kind of ran afoul of us and uh, some technical issues um, were causing us to have a little delay in our recording. So this was going to be me. uh, on a brief episode, we're going to cover a little bit of what we were going to cover on the, on what we had intended to uh, this episode. Uh, and since they were things that I myself have only played and watched, uh, it's easier than, you know, having Pat uh, just asking some questions about things he hasn't quite quite done um, or experienced yet himself. So I want to. Uh, say that I hope everyone in the States that was celebrating Thanksgiving uh, this past weekend um, had a great Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Or um, if you didn't, uh, I just hope you had a good holiday or a good weekend. Uh, You know, I know that there I have friends that listen to the podcast over in the UK. And uh, so I know they don't necessarily um, celebrate Thanksgiving. But, you know, one thing I, I, I put out on, on uh, Twitter this uh, on Thanksgiving was how thankful I am for the community I've met on there and the community I'm continuing to build uh, with people on there. There have been some really great supporters I've met and some some uh, really fantastic people I have met on there. So all for all the negative things that Twitter has in there, uh, there are some very good aspects to it. So uh, again, I just want to say I'm, I'm thankful for a lot of the things that have come into fruition this year, getting the podcast started uh, and constantly growing and, and making it a better product. As you guys might have noticed on this episode, I've retooled the uh, intro a little bit. So it's now to where I really wanted it when I kind of got this new setup. And uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you know, let me know on, on Twitter if you enjoyed the new opening or if you think it sucks, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll take the constructive criticism. But, uh, yeah, it's it was one of the things, so the goals I had uh, this weekend or this week off I had from work to kind of get more into the weeds on some of um, the recording stuff that I use, the software I use to, to make it better so that it's not, you know, a, a junk show or anything like that it sounds a little bit more professional. So I hope you all enjoy um, this uh, kind of more reinvigorated opening of, of the show. 
And uh, I think it's going to just be another step to greater things that are coming in the future. All right. So um, one thing that uh, I want to go ahead and I review because I I know that um, I haven't reviewed a whole lot of the video games that I've kind of briefly mentioned on the podcast because it's usually I'm in the midst of it and uh, I take really long time to beat my video games because I just don't have the time. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to watch on television. There's a lot of movies I want to watch. There's movies I want to go out and see. I've got work. I've got classes that I'm studying for work. Um, and so kind of finding the time to really get out there and, and play any of them and really fully experience them isn't really there. But uh, I really got into Death Stranding over my little break And I mean, I spent, I think, three or four days straight playing it almost 10 hours straight each night. And uh, eventually I beat it. And I just have to say, like, with Death Stranding, I can understand why people wouldn't like it, especially when the game starts out. Um, It is very tedious, especially because it's just primarily you walking. Uh, You do get to unlock vehicles later on, and that makes it a little bit easier for you to get through some of the areas, but then a lot of the stuff requires you to go kind of mountain traversing and vehicles aren't really, uh, the best thing for you to be able to use, uh, during that, uh, trek. So you still are kind of required to walk quite a bit, uh, throughout the game. And in fact, one point near the end, without going into spoilers, you've got to retrace your entire path all the way from the West coast to the East coast. So you got to go, essentially backtrack through the entire uh, country and uh, going through everything you've just spent, you know, countless hours coming across. So uh, that might turn a lot of people off, but I think if that turns you off, you're really kind of missing the essence of the game. And in fact, like one of the, the questions that's asked of Sam a lot within Death Stranding is uh, what is America to you? And this isn't necessarily meant to be an inherently political question. It's more of a philosophical question. And a lot of it, I think, in my my interpretation of it is just, like I mentioned um, just before talking about this game, uh, community, uh, connections, people is what America is. It's not necessarily an ideology um, per se. It is the people, and it's those people that we interact with, that we have relationships with. And, I mean, that's not probably the full message that Kojima was intending within this game, or at least I might not have interpreted his entire message, but I, I was completely stunned by this game. Uh, the cutscenes are fantastic. It's they're well acted, they're well animated, um, and in fact, there, I didn't have a whole lot of glitches uh, compared to another AAA game like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I'm constantly finding myself getting a little few bugs here and there, or uh, textures not loading right away um, when entering a new area or fighting a new enemy. Whereas with Death Stranding. It's all there. Like, you don't have any clipping. You don't have any weird bugs. Like, you might have, like, a little bit of an issue when you're, like, trying to climb a rock, but uh, it's not necessarily the game itself that's kind of screwing that up. It might be the player. Um, So, 
the controls were a little bit difficult and constantly I'm pressing the wrong buttons, like trying to get to the map. I usually end up pressing uh, the touchpad, which is just him shouting out to any of the other players out there. Um, but it, it was something that was truly beautiful. And uh, I, I mean, I sat through, I just ha- had to get to the end. Like I would get through one episode and then I'd be like, okay, I just need, I want to get to the next one. Like, or I'm almost near the end of this one. And then the next one starts and it's got me even more intrigued. And, um, the final episode or the final two episodes, really like the, the main one where the big reveal is happening, um, on the beach and you're having the conversation uh, I'm not going to go into details about it because it would be spoilers, and I don't want to spoil this game at any all, at all. It is just truly beautiful to look at, um, especially on 4K in HDR. It was just well done. And Norman Reedus was uh, Reedus was just doing a fantastic job uh, in his acting. Like I said, it's very well written. It's well directed. It's well animated. And I just was sitting there with my jaw dropped. And then when it gets to the final episode, um, although the twist that is revealed in that one, uh, I kind of figured out a long time before I got there. Uh, it was still stunning nonetheless. And again, Mads Mikkelsen is fantastic in this game. And I understand now why. Uh, so when we saw early trailers for this game, he kind of came off as uh, the villain. And Kojima himself came out and said, well, he's not really the villain per se. And you really kind of come to understand that uh, when you go through the game. And uh, I mean, because he makes such a great villain, especially if you go back to Casino Royale, uh, you know, he, he can play the villain really well. But he also has this really strong ability to play empathetic characters. Like if you think about Rogue One, um, if you've even seen Valhalla Rising, I believe was the one he was in, uh, where he doesn't even, I think he doesn't even speak in that movie. Um, the man just carries this presence and it really translates well into this game, especially when you see the flashbacks, uh, with BB. And then when you're on his beaches, uh, you know, trying to survive and, and fighting him, uh, it's just it's it's mouth dropping. Like I, I was blown away by this game. Um, so I can only recommend it. And I would say, like, if you're not really interested in the delivering things from point A to point B, uh, you only need to do the mainline missions for that. And that's kind of what I tended to do. I didn't really do a whole lot of the side quests um, for this one because they they didn't intrigue me as much. The main story of this was so captivating that I didn't quite need to see the other like little side stories because they didn't really impact the story a whole lot. Um, So I, I just, I have to recommend this one. I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five um, for just some of the control issues. Like, I mean, They were they were not necessarily the fault of the designer or of Kojima, but it was more maybe that it could have been a little bit more simplified uh, because I constantly would have trouble trying to figure out which menu I needed to get to to equip 
something or if I thought I had something that was on my pack and then it wasn't easily accessible uh, and then I'm trying to find it within the inventory management system, I couldn't quite find it. And then it would be like, oh, well, no, you didn't have it all along. And that, you know, really caused issues when I was in stressful boss fights with the BTs. Um, And... I think that there could have been a better way also to kind of know where the BTs were around. Um, You know, they kind of make it a little easy for you, but at the same time, like, you know where, like, one might be, um, but then it it just disappears too quick. And then if you're trying to do, like, the cuffling cut, uh, I never managed to do it because, like, it just seemed like they were always able to know where I was. So... It's just tiny things like that that I have to really take off a point, um, half a point off of for. But in all reality, the the game is is a masterpiece. It is, it is an art piece. It is f- philosophical. It is meant to make you think. It's not just something that you go in and you, you, you play it and you just kill people and then you're just getting kind of the story as you go along. This this is almost a movie. And um, I really have to recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Kojima games. Uh, you will like this one. It's different from Metal Gear, of course, but that's not a bad thing. Um, I know that there was kind of speculation that he may want to do a horror game next. And this had elements of horror in it. And I can only be excited to see where he goes with the horror elements Um if he does do a horror video game and I would definitely be the first one there to play it. Now I may be one who plays, uh, Kojima's games, maybe on easy. It's not my preferred mode of playing a video game. I least like to try to start out normal, but this one, I just really kind of wanted to experience the story without some of the frustrations. And like I said, don't get bogged down doing any of the standard orders, Uh, if you don't feel like doing them because they're not really necessary, they might help you unlock some better gear, but the gear you unlock doing the mainline missions anyways is enough to, uh, help you get through the video game. Uh, especially like in the final, final stuff. And I do like this kind of support system. Um, we're playing it online where, um, other players who are playing the game have the ability to help you out. Like they can throw you, uh, equipment. They can throw you items that you might need that are critical to the boss fight or to any fight that you're coming across. So I really do like that element. And I like that ability of, uh, you know, giving likes and stuff to people and, and contributing to it. Cause again, kind of comes down to that question that I, I, I kind of answered, like at least my read on it was. Um, the connections you have with people. And it's not just the connections to the uh, characters within the video games, but with the people that are playing the game online themselves, so the gaming community. Um, So I was very impressed with that feature. Little bit issue on the control side, but the story, the graphics, the design, the soundtrack, everything else about this game is just stellar. So I can't recommend it enough. If you find it on sale uh, here during the holiday season, pick it up. I do not think you will regret it, um, especially if you stick through with it. Because I heard a lot of people kind of gave up uh, in the second episode or maybe the third episode. But once you get past those two episodes, you really start kind of getting into the meat of the game or the meat of the story. Uh, and, and things start getting revealed to you. Characters start growing 
Um, Sam's character really grows and you learn more about Sam and his past. And, and that's the thing too, is like the growth that Sam's character goes through this is so astounding. And I mean, Kojima, I just can't give enough praise to, I think some people might think he's a little overrated or a little too flashy or, uh, artsy, but I, I mean, I want thought provoking games. I want something that elevates the medium to a higher standard. Like, I mean, we have art house films in cinema and we have regular cinema and some people only want to watch the art house films and some people only want to watch the normal cinema films. And I'm someone who likes to dabble a little bit in both. Um, and I don't see that being an issue, especially when it comes to video games. It doesn't mean that everyone has to like it, but, uh, you know, it was funny because IGN did their review on this and uh, I don't always trust IGN's reviews. Um, I, I find most of the time they're fairly fair, but uh, there are there have been, especially within the most recent couple of reviews that they've done, where they've been uh, a little um, lacking in their review structure in the sense of like, I know with this one and I know there was another game they did this for and I can't remember which one it was. It may have been Days Gone um, or it may have been a different game. But they gave it a really low review score, and then they wrote an article talking about how, oh, it really gets good in its final act. And that wasn't – so it leads to this impression that the reviewer didn't even finish the game. And like I try to do here on the podcast, I might give you my initial impressions of the game, uh, but I'm not going to give you a review score until at least I've finished it. And I might even by that point forget to even review it here on the podcast because – I've got all these other things that are kind of coming across that uh, I want to review and talk about that it kind of might get lost in the weeds. But uh, that's why I'm giving you this review score now. I've completed the game. I've experienced every bit of it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, I recommend it 4.5 out of 5. Go check it out. Um, all right. So now with that out of the way, the one other thing I wanted to talk about on this episode of the podcast is Martin Scorsese's new film, The Irishman. Um, and that's now on Netflix, so you can check it out there. I'm going to play you the trailer, and then we'll discuss the film. It's over. They're all gone. Frank, it's time. It's time you say what happened. Cousin Russell Buffalino. Better watch. There's a lot of tough guys around here. Did he tell you? I'm not afraid of tough guys, are you? I didn't think so. I was one of a thousand working stiffs. I thought I wasn't no more. You got a good friend here. You don't know how good a friend you got. Russell, he took a shine to me right away. After a while, he started giving me things to do. I know you read a lot of things about me. I just want to say I'm sorry. I know I wasn't a good dad. I know that. I know that I was just trying to protect all of you. From what? You didn't see what I see, what I've been through. A friend of ours is having a little trouble. A friend at the top. Hi, Frank. This is Jimmy Hoffa. Glad to meet you. Of this history. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. 
three people in the world have one of these, and only one of them is Irish. You know how strong they made you? I know things they don't know I know. He said that. You sure he said that? I'm worried nobody threatens Arthur. I got records, I got tapes. They're gone. I had to put you into this thing. Sooner or later, everybody put here as a date when he's gonna go. I know how you feel, Frank. Trust me, I know how you feel. We'll bring you back after get your car. So let's talk about The Irishman. Um, so The Irishman is uh, the new Martin Scorsese-directed film, uh, and it is following Frank the Irishman Sheeran uh, as a man with a lot on his mind, the former labor union high official and hitman, learned to kill serving in Italy during the Second World War. He now looks back on his life and the hits that defined his mob career, maintaining connections with the Buffalino crime family. In particular, the part he claims to have played in the disappearance of his lifelong friend Jimmy Hoffa, the former president of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters who mysteriously vanished in late July 1975 at the age of 62. And so that's kind of really what this movie is all about. Um, I like Scorsese films. I haven't seen all of them. I think my favorite is probably going to be The Departed. Um, but I, I don't know, considering kind of recent things that Scorsese has said about like the Marvel movies and how he doesn't consider them cinema and kind of him and Spielberg being kind of this, you know, old guard of film directors. I, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I, I watched it here over the Thanksgiving break. Um, it is a long movie. And, and Scorsese makes long movies, but this one is especially long. Um, it runs three hours and 29 minutes. And in my opinion, that's probably an hour too long for this entire movie. I think that they could have shaved off a lot of things from this film. And I think that's my main criticism of it. Um, it's very well acted. It's beautifully shot. Uh, it does the period piece really well. Um, but it's very slow and it drags a lot. It, it's, it's up moments are far fewer than it's down moments. Um, now De Niro is fantastic. Joe Pesci is fantastic. Al Pacino is fantastic. The entire cast is really well, uh, well done in this film and they all do their jobs competently. Now, one thing that I like and I don't like at the same time is, um, so they for went, uh, like digital de-aging for the characters that like De Niro and, and Pacino and Pesci all play. Um, you know, he still Scorsese still shot this on like 35 millimeter camera um, and he didn't really want to do massive digital effects. Uh, he'd rather keep it all practical. And to a degree, I understand that. But with what we've seen with kind of like the de-aging that they've done for uh, characters in films, um, 
most notably with what they even just did in the previous Terminator movie. Uh, I feel like that would have been better, or I would have rather maybe they cast some younger actors uh, at the age of the younger versions of the characters, like the young Frank Sheeran and uh, young Jimmy Hoffa and young Russell Buffalino, um, because it, it gets really distracting, especially like, when De Niro's calling himself like a kid or someone's calling him a kid, but you see De Niro and really the only thing that makes him look younger. Well, I mean, they did make up work that, or at least work around the face that makes him look younger, but you still see current day De Niro. Uh, same as with Al Pacino and same with Joe Pesci. So I really had a hard time, um, kind of, uh, reconciling that within my mind going, okay, these are supposed to be younger versions of the characters that they're playing. And then of course, like once they get to kind of the actual ages that those actors are at today, it, it looks better because they're not really doing much makeup effects. Uh, but it was th- the main thing that was really distracting for me. Um, also for being a Scorsese film, especially being a kind of mobster film, uh, that, you know, Scorsese is well known for, uh, it seemed a little tamer. Uh, now some parts didn't. Uh, and again, you know, it's funny cause I was just talking about the digital versus practical effects. Uh, I feel like all of the, the gunshots, um, were digital. So, I mean, like, okay, you wanted to go this way with one aspect of the film, but you went another way with that other aspect. And so the gunshots all really look kind of cheesy compared to, you know, using actual squibs uh, or practical effects to maybe make those effects look a lot bloodier. And I don't know if that was maybe them going over budget or if uh, the fact that this was kind of going straight to Netflix, which is also funny considering Scorsese has been uh, openly critical about Netflix. And then this was a limited theatrical release. And then uh, same day release of the on like uh, Thanksgiving uh, to Netflix it, it, and it broke like uh, some like theater policies about 90 days before home release or some such. Um, so there was a lot of weird controversy going on in this. Um, I can see why a lot of people would like this movie. And I mean, there are really fascinating bits and some really good, good parts. And I did like them exploring the relationship between Frank and Hoffa uh, and kind of it's still speculation. It's still alleged that, um, this is what actually happened to Hoffa. I mean, we still have, you know, Jimmy Hoffa has never been found, so we don't really know what exactly happened. This is the closest thing we've got to it. And I did see that, um, that the, um, uh, authorities don't fully believe Frank because he even, changes his own story from time to time about exactly what happened if he did or did not, uh, kill Hoffa. Um, so I, I am intrigued cause I know that this is based off a book as, uh, I heard you, you, you paint houses, I believe is the name of the title of the book or something along those means. Um, and this movie did make me interested in wanting to pick up that book. So I think I am going to pick up the book and read it. Um, and that's really, I can kind of guess like, that's what this definitely feels like. This feels like a book. Um, and where, you know, when you do most book to film adaptations, you kind of cut out 
the chaff, you know, like you, you get rid of some things that might be necessary for the book format, but aren't really necessary to a visual format such as such as an, uh, a movie. And it feels like maybe Scorsese kept too much in. I think that the, his original cut was over four hours long. And I really I had to watch this in breaks like, uh, you know, when I. I think I got through like the first 40 minutes of it. I felt like I'd already been through an hour and a half of the movie. And I'm like, I'm only 40 minutes in. I still have two hour, two hours and some odd, you know, two and a half hours left to go. Like, dear God, how long can this movie go? And I get that they wanted to explore a lot of Frank's life, his relationships, the relationship with his ex-wife, his daughter, his new wife, uh, his you know, friendship with Russell, how that started, how that grew. Um, and I think that's really like where the strongest work is whenever it just focuses on De Niro and Pesci or De Niro and Pacino, because that's where the movie really works, in my opinion, is those those dynamics, those character relationships, the dialogue that's there. Um, but when it's doing kind of this overview and talking about this person here, this person there, this person there, and then they did this thing and I, I liked it, but at the same time I didn't like it because at some moments it was really quick and at other moments it was really slow. So I was able to read everything, but they would show kind of the uh, fate of whatever kind of person they were talking to. They would freeze frame it, say the name of the person, their death day and then how they died. And I thought that was really cool, but I did find myself missing some of them, like in having to go back and then pause the screen to be able to read it all. And in other moments it's like, Oh, okay. You're up there for a few seconds. I got everything I needed. So, um, I think that this might be one of the weaker Scorsese films. Um, it's re- I think it's really tame. Uh, the, it's not, it's violent, but it's not, the violence that we've seen from Scorsese in the past. And I don't know if that's his age kind of playing a factor into it. Um, or just, I, he just didn't feel like it or didn't feel like it was necessary for this film. Um, so I think considering that it is, uh, on Netflix, I think if you break it up into, uh, you know, separate viewings, maybe watch an hour at a time, Uh, I think that you might be able to get through the movie a lot better than I did. Um, I kind of had to watch it on and off. I was watching it in uh, the morning of Thanksgiving and then we had uh, family, um, you know, ready. And then uh, so I had paused it and then I you know, was upstairs kind of mingling with family and I came back downstairs and then I started it. Then I had family come downstairs and then. We, you know, watched some other stuff or played some video games. And then, uh, you know, then it was Thanksgiving dinner and then everyone left. And then I finally, you know, started it back up again. I had like the and then I had another thing happen. And then I was down to the last 50 minutes. And even that last 50 minutes almost felt like an eternity when getting to the end. And I like long movies. Uh, I mean, I love the extended editions of the Lord of the Rings um, trilogy. I like um any of the long Marvel movies. I like the long star Wars movies. I, I, I got movies on my tower. I like the, uh, the shining, uh, 2001, a space odyssey. Uh, just, just to name a few. I know a grind, even the full, uh, cut of Grindhouse, where it's both movies together. And that's a three hour movie. Um, I don't mind them 
as long as there's enough there to keep my attention. And there are certainly points within this movie that it, it loses you. It's not keeping you captivated. Uh, and then it picks up and you're like, OK, I'm back into it. And then it drops back down and you're like, OK, now this is a slog to go through. Uh, and it just gets kind of tiring and you're, you're ready. You're ready for the end of the movie. And I mean, you're ready for the end of the movie within a, probably an hour and 40 minutes in. So you're just like, okay, let's, let's, let's get to the point. It feels just really drug out, um, filled with unnecessary bits, entertaining bits, but just unnecessary, um, I think had this been kind of shaved down to about a two and a half hour movie, maybe a two hour and 20 minute movie, I could have tolerated it a little bit more. Um, it's certainly not a bad movie. It just has parts of it that uh, just can't keep you engaged. And and that's kind of a, a sign of the writing. It's not really a sign of the directing because they're going off the script but I guess with what not even Scorsese could save some of what was in there. It just feels so bogged down with unnecessary exposition. And I'm again, I'm someone who likes exposition. I like learning things. Um, but this just didn't do it in the right manner. And I really wish it did. I wanted this to be kind of my my new favorite Scorsese film. I've been looking forward to it for weeks Um in fact, I feel like the trailers, like the, even just the trailer I played here to introduce the the movie, uh, is a better version of the movie than what we get. I mean, and it kind of implies, and I, I know that I, I'm not saying like believe a trailer 100% because we've had misleading trailers in the past and that's caused issues with people. But um, had it been what it felt more like from the trailer, I feel like the movie would have been stronger as a whole. And that's why I think that long runtime actually hurts it. Now, run long a long runtime like The Departed, it works because that that payoff you get to the end of the film is worth it. And maybe that's because it was fiction and Scorsese could do whatever he wanted with that. And this is more kind of aligned to actual historical events and actual people in real life. Uh, that maybe that's what kind of held it back because he didn't have a whole lot of freedom to to kind of embellish um, more than maybe he wanted to. And maybe that's that's what I'm picking up on when I, I'm just saying that it, it just it loses you. And I know I've said that quite a few times on this review, but uh, it's again, it's competently well shot. It's competently acted. It's well written in dialogue terms. Um, and I mean, the cinematography is beautiful. You, you believe you're in the sixties and seventies. Um, and I, I, I like that it feels real, but there are just these tiny things that I think could have been tweaked. Uh, I would have gotten younger actors to play a lit, the little bit younger versions of the characters. Cause I mean, when you're calling Robert De Niro a kid and he looks like Robert De Niro from, like five years ago or maybe even 10 years ago, stretching a little bit because his hair is colored and they've managed to get rid of some of the wrinkles. I don't buy it. Like I, I just, I see De Niro as I see De Niro today. It's, it's just, you can't rectify that, that situation or, or the, how that 
that is reality. And so I, I might have preferred maybe having a younger actor coming in or if they did the digital de-aging. If you're doing the digital blood for the gunshots, why not just throw in, well, I don't want to have the, the tennis balls and the dots on the faces. It could have been a little bit more convincing had you done that. If we were seeing, like, if if at that time, like, De Niro's character is, like, 30 or in his early 20s or late 20s, whatever age he's supposed to be when uh, we start the movie, um, and they made him look like De Niro from Taxi Driver, I would have believed it more. Um, but I couldn't. I, and I... And, I mean, it's. I don't want to knock off a whole lot in this movie. I think I'm going to land on a uh, 3.5 out of 5. It almost may have been better had it been just a three-part miniseries uh, where you had those breaks built in, and it's more like a three-arc film that way. Um, that might have been the better way to go about it. So don't let me deter you too much. Um, it is still enjoyable, uh, it's, since it's on Netflix and if you have a Netflix subscription, you can easily access it and watch it at your own leisure. Um, I'd say go check it out, especially if you're a diehard Scorsese fan, there are things you're going to really like about it. Um, like I said, the, the presence of Pesci, Pacino and De Niro on screen together in this film is really strong. And that's the parts about it that really make me like the movie. Um, and what kind of at least saves it in some essence for me. But that long runtime, unnecessary uh, bits throughout the film that stretch that runtime out, I think you can do without it. I honestly think that this could have been about a two, two and a half hour movie. But uh, go check it out on Netflix. Let me know what you guys think. Um, I also want to say you can now follow the podcast on, I believe the Google play store. Um, you can now follow it on Spotify. We're on iTunes and we're on Podbean. Um, if you want, please review us on Apple podcasts. Uh, anything helps. It makes the podcast more, uh, viewable for people who are just searching for podcasts out there. Um, we're trying to grow our audience as always. You can follow, um, the podcast at critics and T cynics on Twitter. Uh, if you want to write into the podcast, uh, with thoughts or things that you want read on air, um, you can write into the podcast at critics, not cynics at gmail.com. We're going to start doing more, um, screener reviews. I've got a huge backlog of them and I've been meaning to get to them. And I think, uh, we're finally at a point we can start doing that. Um, I, th I think, uh, now don't quote me, but I've got to get in touch with them, but I think, um, we're going to be having an interview here soon. Um, with the filmmaker of uh, Mater. Um, his new project is coming out on December 13th, and I'd like to talk to him either before or after it releases and, and you know, talk about his work and, and what he has uh, coming in the future. So I'll be um, hopefully announcing that for sure soon. And uh, we've got our next piece uh, in the Terminator franchise review coming up. Uh, I believe it's going to be delayed another week, but we are working on recording it. Um, and I think that's about it. All right, guys, we will see you next time.